What do you get when you combine a licensed professional counselor who loves lifelong physical fitness with a strength and conditioning coach who loves mental development? You get Jonathan Pishner and Jerry Hanley, two guys who love to help you find ways to fix problems that will improve your life through what they call asymmetric habits, specific changes you can make with outsized payoffs. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Happy afternoon. Uh, coming at you here, middle of August, JP and I, we were catching up a little bit before this. But today's topic is a big one for everybody, like if you read the caption or not. Self-care is medically necessary. Again, this is one of these things that I feel like uh, has definitely increased in how often it gets used in just public vernacular, much more than it was 10, 20 years ago, which is a good thing. But at the same time, it's increased so much. I feel like a lot of people kind of take it as just in one ear, out the other. They don't really give it a lot of um, kind of introspection as to what it might actually mean for them and the best way they can use it. So here to so we're here to talk about it. You know, the self-care is indeed not a buzzword. It definitely has a lot of importance. It's also a fairly individualized thing. So I know that'll be one of those things we talk mm -hmm. about. We're finding the best self-care for your situation. And really, the, the, the kind of key point of this, the second half, is why it is actually not just beneficial, but even medically necessary, as JP was the first one to put it when we were going over this topic. So, my man, go ahead and take it over. Yeah, so uh, the reason this came about was because uh, you know, self-care as a term is – been around probably like it seems like 10-ish years in the in the public consciousness but there, there's something that happens to a lot of people because because i think if you quiz everybody and say hey is self-care a good idea i think everybody says yes that that's that's easy enough mm -hmm. what but what really happens is most people will not make proper time for it or will not uh spend time figuring out how to make it work for them and for one day, that's not really a problem. And for a couple of days, that's not really a problem. And if your life is easy enough, it might not be a problem at all. But most of us leave, lead busy, stressful lives. And the problem that comes about eventually is that if you do not have ways to disconnect from your stress, the neurochemical buildup, uh, primarily of cortisol and adrenaline, but uh, uh, some other things as well, eventually begins to break down not only your ability to think well and to function, but your body itself. Uh, chronic stress has been linked to a dozen uh, pretty nasty things, and they're starting to think it's linked to even more stuff. Uh, some of the high points being uh, heart disease, high blood pressure, uh, uh, irritable bowel syndrome, uh, impaired cognitive function, impaired memory, uh, colitis, uh, a loss of bone density. I didn't realize that yeah. until we started looking this mm -hmm. up. Um, uh, the spread of cancer, if you have cancer and you have chronic stress, uh, it's been demonstrated to spread faster. They're doing research to figure out if uh, chronic stress causes dementia. They're doing research to figure out if chronic stress uh, causes cancer to begin in the first place. And probably about 17 other things that I didn't find yeah. while I was 
This is what I found in a five-minute Google search. Like, this is not me doing extensive research to figure out what chronic stress causes. Right. This is good Googling, by the way. Good Googling. Um, yes, yes. Yeah, not, not like lazy Googling. Yeah, and, and I want to back that up, too, because a lot of people, the same thing, like people hear a lot of, about stress and what it can do to the body. And in a lot of ways, medical knowledge is almost coming around 360, I feel like, because, you know, there's – if we look at medicine – a hundred years, like even a hundred years ago, but you know, going back even further than that, it seems crazy to us now, but a lot of the things that they were saying then actually still again, like they may, if you strip them down to some basics made sense, they just didn't have a better physiological knowledge like we do now. Yeah, so, they didn't know why they worked. They just knew they worked. Exactly. So in a, in a really good situation now, you have like both the combination of modern medicine that works with ideally the more lifestyle interventions, the typical that were really basically made in most cases to decrease, not necessarily decrease stress, but yeah, decrease negative stress or the negative effects of stress, which is an important distinction. We need stress. Like stress is a vital part of life in order to perform to um, especially at high levels, to continue to adapt. We need types of stress, but it's how we react to it. And then also is the type of stress a good one or a bad one? Like I said, there's, like you were saying with a really big list there, there's a lot of proven uh, relationships to stress. But then, you know, like the, the number one hormone, at least it comes to mind, that, uh, that's correlated with it is cortisol. Again, cortisol it, like if you're in lifting, you know cortisol. Like it's a very big bodybuilding known hormone because it is basically the anti-muscle growth. It generally breaks things down. Now it does, like most things in the body, have actual beneficial uses too. Like it's not like it's a purely awful hormone, but yeah, like otherwise we wouldn't have evolved a habit. Right. Like so many people now is that we have again, like we have so much of the of the overburdened negative type of stress that these things are out of whack so we have way more than we need um and actually I want to point out here we got a comment from an adam sorry adam i do not know how to say your last name it's got one of those like o's with the line in front of it kill i don't know sorry adam <laughs> but, but sometimes we have to disconnect from media especially the social kind it seems to stress everyone out and keeps them stressed and well, we're going to get there. Oh, yes. Yeah, they could not agree with that more. I know we're going to talk about that. We talk about that a lot. And actually, yeah, going into part of what we're talking about today. Yeah. With the, the one of the things I want to say is that as we go into the ideas of self-care, I want people to understand. Oh, you say it. Trulan would be as like, sorry again, if I'm so Trulan. So, OK, <laughs> I'm trying Adam. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um but actually, so one of the things I want to say is like, so like whatever you find a self-care will likely change over time. So it's not just one thing. Because um, mm -hmm. I was actually just happy, you know, complete coincidence by the timing of this talk is I'm going to start really trying to do two things to improve my one of my own. And that is on Saturdays, I'm going to try to make that my big catch-up day in terms of messages and social media. That's because I get particularly overburdened with how many messages and notifications there can be. And I can let that snowball. I either feel like I'm always having to post something or, or catch up to it. Or conversely, I let it snowball by not wanting to check it because it's like, again, I almost feel like I don't want to. But then I'm constantly stressed about it because I know it's building up. 
So I want to, A, make a plan to tackle it on Saturdays. I'm going to go ahead and catch it up. And then, B, back it up by on Sundays, I'm going to try to be completely phone, social media, tech-free, unless I'm just, like, relaxing with the family, watching TV, in, like, a more family time way. But I'm going to basically try to do those two things, catch it up on a Saturday, and then have one day without any of those dopamine hits and see how Mm -hmm. that works out for a while. So, uh, uh, you know, the thing, the thing you're suggesting here is good because, because you're basically trying to build it in, uh, to one of your days in a really big way. And one of the things that, that I think a lot of people miss is the, is the two most important points. Cause a lot of people realize that self-care, uh, you know, looks like certain things like taking a vacation, taking a day off, like that, that's the stuff that is very blindingly obvious to most people. But as you're building it in, one of the things that is wise to notice is, is your felt sense of being away from stress, because that can be provided by a lot of stuff. Uh, so being away from electronic devices is a pretty obvious one for a lot of people. Some of the ones that are not so obvious. Uh, some people can get a disconnection from their stress response just by having a 10-minute cup of tea in the morning. Mm-hmm. Some people get uh, a separation from their stress response when they go get their hair done. Some yes. people get a separation from their stress response when they go get a massage. That's another nice obvious one. Uh, some people get a separation from their stress response when they go do like me, martial arts, like that seems like it should be stressful. Like, Oh, I'm going to go try and punch this person and not get punched in return. That seems like it should be stressful, but it provides me a disconnect from these other stressors in my life in turn, lowering that biological response instead of raising it. Uh, so the things that the people do, don't matter. What matters is the felt sense of disconnection from stress, because then you're no longer producing those chemicals and you're hopefully getting enough of the disconnect to start flushing them out and lowering them. Uh, but the, the entire reason I, I brought that up is because what here's what most people will do. Most people will look at their self-care activity, judge it as unimportant or yes, not important yes. enough. And they will say, ah, well, no time for that. I better go do work instead, or I better go do this other thing that is just increasing their stress. If I like had a, had a magic genie and three wishes, that would be one of the wishes would be like, make people not do that anymore. <laughs> Man, you said, you said so much good stuff in that like minute and a half. Um, this is one of the big things I want to repeat. For anybody listening is, I mean, you you pointed out how whatever it is, these things are connected to chemicals. And again, like these are actual chemicals in the body, hormones reacting. And again, so when we say that these have actual medical um, indications, I mean, that's what we're talking about is actual changes in your body and its chemistry and how it works from the good and the bad in most people's lifestyle. And like you said, the choices they make because of those little ideas and stories they have in their head typically tend to make them keep pushing the good ones aside 
thinking they have to do more of the of the stressful and of the more stressful ones, which again just accumulate, 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 and we mm-hmm. end up just completely out of whack. Like you, and like you said, the, well, the good and the bad doesn't have to mean the same thing for like everybody. Like you said, like martial arts can be one. By the way, I'm good enough of a friend. If you're ever having a crazy day, I'll come down and round kick you, like you know, and whatever you need me to. Um, same, right here, right? Right here we go. <laughs> and, um, basically, whether it's like working out, martial arts, some people it might you know it could be like music, anything, but it, it might even just be an environment. Like for some people, it's like get out, you know, get outside and touch grass. Mm-hmm. You know, go in the woods for three days. I have um, actually like a good friend of mine who I met through the professional development space, specifically like with fitness trainers. Um, I mean, he went from being like a Walmart employee to owning four gyms in a span of like a year or something like that. And he will give like he always says that the biggest change for him happened when his business coach convinced him to go take three days out in the woods. It's one of those things that sounds crazy, but like he loves being in the woods. He loves doing that type of stuff. He was like, go take that time for yourself, chill out. And I say, he says it over and over again. Like that's, that was a huge point in his thing. So that's how much of a change, you know, that's a pretty extreme, awesome reaction, but that is how like much of a change these things can be. And it can be like an Mm -hmm. action environment atmosphere like you said 10 minutes to yourself with something like tea or just something you enjoy doing before letting yourself get into the high stress rut right and uh you know along with that it was last week or maybe the week before uh yeah i was talking to one of my clients uh and you know we were on this very subject and uh i said look you cannot outthink your biological response to stress past a certain point, like at low levels you can, but at at the level you're at, you can no longer do that. You must now view self-care as medically necessary. And and I'm going to need you to go and do something just to to give yourself enough of a reset that we can actually do some psychology work. And we talked for a minute. It turns out that that, uh, for this person getting their hair done was, was it like having the whole rinse and the shampoo and that like really the body sensations that separated them from their stress. I said, okay, so that that is your prescription for this week. You you are not receiving any further psychology homework other than go do that. And, and you, even hearing that, that person asked me, said, well, I mean, but but I feel like I can do some other stuff. I said, no, I'm not assigning you any further. That is your counseling homework, and I'm not giving you anything else until that's accomplished. And of course, when that person came back and we we talked about it, like the amount of transformational uh felt sense with that was terrific uh and the reason that's the reason that's such an important story uh you know saying that as a medical professional is uh people forget that one of the main problems with the buildup of stress response chemicals is impaired cognitive function and impaired memory encoding when you are trying to outthink your stress, which you can do to a certain degree, it's really the, the entire basis of my job. Uh, you can't do it with impaired cognitive function. The whole the whole thing that lets you outwit your stress is not functioning. Yeah, and and remember, like with that, that is another great example of how things will change over time. Because you might get away doing that for a while you might be able to get away doing that for even a few for even a few years 
if you're lucky, you're young, you don't have a whole lot of things distracting you. But at some point in time, you probably won't. <laughs> and I say that 100% from experience. Because <laughs> um, like you talk to almost anybody who's known me anywhere through like like my early, th- so I'm 39 now, but through like my early mid thirties or twenties. And there was a very large part of my professional career where barely sleeping almost became part of my like brand. Um, you know, it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't a quote unquote choice. I mean, you know, I, I made the choice in in a sense, but crazy schedule as a strength coach at West Virginia university, then mm-hmm. building a business, you know, for the first time in my life, all that good fun stuff. So, you know, were there smarter ways to do it? I'm absolutely positive that I know them. No. <laughs> so, so work hard was, it was the option that I chose and that became and work hard and long. But so yeah, there was a lot of time where sleeping was not, was like a, ch- I chose to, to sacrifice that one. And mm-hmm. I functioned really well for a pretty long time on that. So a lot of people started like uh, identifying me that with me, but let me tell you for the last two, like three years, probably sleep has been the number one thing. My body and my mind have been looking for over and over again. And, and yeah, like when it gets to the, instead where I used to be able to have like some of my most productive time ever at night in the evening, like once my brain is done now, whenever that happens to be like five, six, seven, 10, 30, it is usually done. <laughs> so, it, like, well, and and the thing you're saying is so important because let's let's think about the psychological implications of that because for you know you you experience that and you know if a hundred people watch this, seventy five of them are probably going to like have something similar because what happened was in the short term, the thing that was the chronic stressor was rewarded. Lack of sleep is a major yeah, stressor. Yeah. But it was rewarded. And of course, psychologically, what happens? We do more of what's rewarded. Uh, so when I look at somebody and I say, okay, now you have to start exercising, uh, you know, better self-care. One part of their brain is like, oh, yes, that makes perfect sense. And the part of their brain tied to rewards is like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard because that's, that's not so going true. to get rewarded. Uh, because one of the sad things about chronic stress is... Yes, it'll kill you, but it won't kill you immediately enough to make you scared of it. Like, you know, Man, driving, 100, yeah, driving 120 miles an hour down the interstate will kill you right now. And so enough people are scared of it that they won't do it. Chronic stress will kill you in somewhere between five to 50 years, depending on your biological makeup. Uh, and so we'll continue to pursue those things that get rewarded, like not sleeping and whatever. And happily, you were clever enough to see through that and be like, mm, okay, that does, we've, I should probably not do this anymore. <laughs> yep. It's like dividends collected, cut the position. <laughs> um, yes, sell the position and, and get, go do something yeah. else. So, so behavioral economy, which is in a way what we're talking about, it took me, I, I was trying to think of that term for a while but fascinates me like, like you know um and there's a great uh one of my favorite authors on this actual subject is a um is a professor at he's been at duke he's been at mit i believe but named dan Ariely, and okay. he's got like one of my favorite books is called predictably irrational and it's you know kind of like it's saying it's about how so many things that people do 
if we present it as a question, what's the best thing? The majority of people will answer the same thing as being like, oh, this makes the most sense. Just like you said, like that part of your brain that's like, oh, yeah, like exercise more, eat better or make sure that I get some sleep and some rest, things like that. Yes. Mm -hmm. But then actually put on the spot and in real life, so many people will do the opposite thing. And it's just like you said, so much of it is because the actual negative effects are so far down the road. We're just not wired to really think about that and give it too much. Import. Even if we know it's important, we just it's 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 a difficulty in our wiring to actually make decisions based on that because it's so far down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, like he makes uh, like one of his this is like I don't want to say a self-study, but one of the places stories that he's that he said involved, he was involved in crazy 70% like third degree burns when he was 18, 19 years old, kind of put him down this path. And um, at some point he was like, Hey, you're, you know, you're basically, you got hepatitis C just due to all this like medical treatment you're going through. We approved you for this experimental drug, blah, blah, blah. You know, we think it'll help you, you know, on the, if it, you know, if it doesn't work, your liver is going to die and you'll be dead in two years or whatever. So, he tried it and he said it made them sick. Like, you know, he had to take it three days a week, this medicine, and it always made him violently ill, like super violently ill. Um, but he did it. He tied it to a, to, to set himself up. And, you know, at the time he wasn't thinking in terms of like any super scientific experiment, but before the, on those days, he would go rent some movies and basically turn it into a movie night, sitting on the couch, being violently ill. But at least he was entertaining himself in movies. And 18 months later, he was the only person who actually had finished the entire the entire drug trial of like 18 months. Nobody else had managed to stick with it. And mm-hmm. again, it's not that he thought his liver was more important than anybody else. It was because he had tied something easier to follow to that that, that made him like basically behave in a more appropriate manner. Yeah, so, so so basically, there is something useful to extract from that, although happily, probably nobody watching this is going to have anything quite that extreme happening, uh, which is, all right, I have a stressor. What can I do to, like, mitigate the damage of that stressor? In this case, the stressor was this medication that made him horrifyingly ill. Uh, what can I do to mitigate that? Honestly, that's exactly what we're talking about. Just shrunk down to uh, uh, probably smaller levels, because uh, what what a lot of people will fail to do is they will they'll take on that extra fifteen minute work task. Very small stress, very small. Uh, but when you combine it with all the other ones, the the, uh, the impact of it is multiplicative. It's it's more stressful than a fifteen minute stressor should be. And they won't add in anything to help separate from stressors uh, to mitigate it. So, so re- really, uh, I think you, you use something like behavioral economy. I've never heard that term before. But, uh, yeah, they, they're not balancing the equation very well is what yes, happens exactly. to a lot of people. Uh, and, and realistically, if we simplify this, uh, there are only two ways to to do this correctly, which is to add things that help you mentally and physically separate from stress or to remove stressors. That, that is also an option. And, and, you know, it's, if you think getting people to do self-care is hard, getting them to remove stressors is often even more difficult. 
Uh, but that's that's the second way you can accomplish this. And uh, I, I'm, I'm somewhat, uh, you know, just amongst people who know me, like uh, poked fun at a little bit because one of the ways I've removed a stressor is I aggressively avoid the news unless the news is actionable. If it's actionable to me, I'm allowed to watch it. But like, so things about the field or things, you know, when I've got to vote, like when, when election time is coming up, I've got, to, I've got an action step, I've got to go vote. But since most news is not actionable to me, I aggressively avoid it because what happens is uh, that's, a, that's a terribly minor stressor. You know, hearing about a thing happening in California, I mean, how minor is that? Yeah. But if I hear about 17 non-actionable bad things happening, on top of the other completely legitimate stresses in my life, what's the multiplicative effect of that? It can be pretty big. And so that's one that I was like, well, this is meaningless to me. Why would I not remove this stressor that I can functionally do nothing about? Uh, and so one of the things I often encourage people to do is fine. If you won't add in self-care, that's fine. What stressors can you remove that are maybe not so obvious as stressors to remove. Cause that's, that's one that's not obvious because people are just like, well, of course it's the news. You watch the news. And that's to me with my psych psychological training, that was a stressor and it just got the ax. So first off I do the exact same thing. Like, yeah, I just do not like, do not, I don't stay on the news at all. Basically any news that I follow, like you said, it's either actionable or, you know, I can't help it. Like sometimes it just is thrown in your face, but I just ignore it. Or, or it's, you know, a situational thing where even if it's not actionable directly, it gives me, it gives me information to maybe make better informed decisions, you know, but same thing. Like I like, but, which is still actionable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I just want people to say that or to see that. Um, but I do the same thing. And that goes with that, like, um, you know, tying the news in. Or, you know, like our um, like our YouTube friend Adam here mentioned, like social media or, just yep. me, you know, media in general, is that we got to remember all these things are at their core of business. And all of these things throughout, like, you know, they're trying to grow, like, you know, everything from a startup trying to just grow traction to these multi-billion dollar companies trying to grow revenue. And to do that, you know, they're looking more for things that you know, like just to like attract attention and the way things are set up these days for whatever reason, sensationalism, negativity, divisiveness, just anything that gets people fired up usually, mm -hmm. but usually for whatever reason, in a negative way tends to get people just more actionable to follow a story or to, or to like click on it, get more views than other things, which is crazy because you will see, like, for example, if you go to social media, you will see accounts dedicated to positive things mm -hmm. like those are there and a lot of them have very strong viewerships but those are still in the minority most people still go for more of a either either the negativity spouting talking about that um did you, you remember anchorman you you remember the movie enough uh, i i watched it once i'm not a huge will ferrell fan so i don't remember very much of it yeah so and to be honest i can't remember the sec I can't remember the details between the first and the second one, but I want to say it's the first one. But yeah, like there's actually it's one of those movies that actually, despite being a you know comedy spoof and every parody, basically it has a lot of truth to it in that basic story of where 
that theoretically, according to the movie, the news actually gave you just the black and white news and facts leading up to the movie. And then they're the ones who started treating it in a more sensational media spectacle and which got ratings up. And so they did it more. So I thought that was funny that like hidden in that movie was what actually basically happened was the yeah. news at some point in time, which at that point was, you know, like the main media source mm-hmm. went from being strictly reportive, or at least it seemed that way, or at least it was like thinly, you know, there's always been propaganda, et cetera. I don't, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but it was a more, <laughs> I think you're already in that rabbit hole. Yeah, I am. But so like, but it, but it definitely took a turn towards being more spectacle and continues mm-hmm. to do that, which uh, again, just keeps going. Anyway, to bring him back, yeah, it's all about getting people caught up in it and to keep watching it. And so much of those things are stressful. And they're either directly stressful, directly negative, or they're highlights a lot of times, which we've talked about before, which then makes people feel stressed again because they compare other people's highlights to their real life situation. And it's like, oh, my life's not a highlight reel, but they think that's this person's everyday life cascading of events. Well, yeah. And, and there's, there's a few uh, neurochemical things that happen uh, that I'm not going to bother belaboring because they're, those aren't the actionable steps. Uh, but if, if we're going to talk about electronic media in the context of self-care, uh, then let's talk about a couple of action steps that, that people would be wise to consider taking. Uh, it, it requires a little work on the front end and a little bit of practice, but uh, it can it can pay off for a lot of people. Most of my clients who who employ this stuff seem to get good benefit from it. Uh, so, so choosing to uh, focus on only actionable news is a pretty good action step. Most people have difficulty with that one because they have a script that they should, you know, be like really deeply informed and fine. If you, if you want to skip that one, there's many other action steps to take. Uh, YouTube is a favorite one for me because there is a certain type of stress response. Uh, just trying to, to keep it simple. If you fall down the YouTube algorithm, where they're constantly pumping you videos and showing you new stuff and getting you to click on this and this and this and this and this. Uh, it doesn't activate the stress response system in precisely the same way, but it, do, it does a little bit and it also prevents you from disconnecting in the way that we would hope for if you were going to recreationally watch electronic media. Uh, so let's compare YouTube to watching a movie. Uh, if you are going to spend an hour watching, uh, some sort of electronic media, the movie is less stressful for a couple of reasons. Number one, you're in the same context. There's no context changes. If I watch Iron Man an hour later, I'm still watching Iron Man. I, I, I haven't changed context. Whereas if I watch YouTube, I've probably changed context 12 times. They, you know, they showed me a funny cat video and then, oh, uh, also we think maybe you want to know how to redo your deck, which actually I do. And uh, then, hey, uh, watch this uh, top 10 car crashes or who knows what people click on. The context changes produce a certain type of stress and certainly prevents you from de-stressing. Then on top of that, you for every video you click on, you at least see 10 other videos that you're not, 
which produces a very familiar stress to a lot of people, which is fear of missing out, which is how people end up with 20 different YouTube tabs open. Uh, and so just in this quick 90 second explanation, YouTube is already dramatically more stressful than watching a movie. Uh, so YouTube is dangerous when it comes to stress if you don't know how to use it. So to utilize social media or YouTube uh, intelligently and more effectively for the purpose of, of self-care is knowing before you go to it, what are you looking for? Because these, these are dramatically helpful tools. Social media and YouTube are, are wonderfully helpful tools. So if I decide, okay, before I open up YouTube, I am here to look for how to fix my basement pipe. And I've set my intention. And no matter what YouTube shows me, all I am going to click on is how to fix my basement pipe. It helps me separate from that and not get sucked into the rabbit hole. Uh, same thing for Instagram. You know, here, uh, after we have this, I'll probably sit and play on my phone for a few minutes. But if I pull up Instagram, I set my intention first. What am I looking for? Probably just little funny, happy videos. Uh, Instagram has figured out that I like watching videos of parrots being parrots and doing funny things. <laughs> but the thing I will not do is, as I scroll to find that, is I'm going to deliberately ignore anything to do with how to build a business. Because if I let that enter my, my head too much, it's going, oh, shoot, maybe I should be watching this instead. I'm going to deliberately ignore martial arts stuff because like, oh man, maybe you should be training right now. Uh, same thing for any of these. If you kind of set your intention beforehand, you can use them a little more safely. And this, I'm saying this like it's easy. It's really not, uh, this, this takes practice. Okay, hidden like or not hidden, but kind of like surrounding all of this is the fact that these are very repetitive actions and thus become very, habitual because you know repetition causes habit so the mm -hmm. more you do it and the more you start scrolling it will become a habit and mm -hmm. just like you're saying if you don't have if you don't stick with that intention and stay mm -hmm. mindful of it you will start doing the action without the like without the actual intention and it'll just be an empty action yeah so, so, so these are dangerous to use for, for any kind of self-care. I, I really recommend, you know, avoiding them as much as you possibly can. But the reality is we cannot avoid them because of the world we live in. But uh, using them as little as possible and being very intentional about how you use them is at least key. Yeah. And, and uh, to, get, to give one more tip, since I, I did mention Facebook, Facebook's a much easier one to manipulate. Uh, what I do is I, I have people friended but unfollowed. So there's a lot of people that are on my friends list that I don't follow. And then I have people who are favored. So like people who consistently put out either positive messages or messages that I'm interested in seeing, they show up first in my feed. And so I'm not likely to see much else. Yeah. I'm a big believer in that too, actually, is curating your social media so that you do see what you want. And it's almost like, okay, like, okay. It is on the one hand like making an echo chamber in a sense, if especially if it's like the same types of things over and over again. Um, and some people might be like, oh, you know, like again, like the, there's the negative connotation to that, but very few people get on social media and actually look for like open minded or like I'm looking to like change my mind about something 
things. Like that doesn't happen a whole, a whole, like that doesn't happen very often on Facebook or Twitter. And you see that. So like I said, but anyway, that's not what I'm talking about. It's like, well, well, well actually before you pass that, that, that that's, yeah. that's a good criticism to bring up and a valid one. And it's, it's a, a thing that a, a slightly adjusted viewpoint can help with because you're absolutely right. Nobody goes to that to change their mind. And it is dangerous to live in an echo chamber. But when we are trying to de-stress and when we are trying to separate from stress, it is not wrong to go to the people and places that support your own viewpoint because you're trying to de-stress. Exposing yourself to other things, yes, is correct. Like when I... When I go uh, across the hall and just like, you know, bellyache about counselor problems with one of my other counselors, I'm not there to, to expand my viewpoint. I'm there to de-stress. When I go to a counseling conference to learn new theories and approaches and techniques, I'm there to learn uh, about things I don't know. So you, you are correct that that's a valid criticism. But when we're talking about de-stressing, the echo chamber is actually an okay place to go as long as you don't live there. I'm glad you brought that up because that's exactly where I wanted to go with that. Um, and actually, Adam here, who's awesome, is still with us. Thanks, Adam. Um, says, get great advice for Facebook. And yeah, this is actually, actually interesting. I don't use YouTube a whole lot right now, so I'd really be curious about this. But he wrote, for YouTube, I highly recommend people click the three dots on the side and tell the algorithm you're not interested in videos that you know are going to stress you. Oh, now, now that's some good advance because I, I wasn't going to bring it up, but since he's already thrown it out there, that's uh, you can train YouTube because I, I, I've kind of trained my YouTube to not do that. Yeah, I had no idea you could do that. For, I, I'm sorry, I thought you could only train it by giving it more of what you wanted and it would show up more. I didn't realize you could actually do something like that. So, yep. yes, yeah, so uh, you can do that on Instagram too. You can, uh, uh, when it tries to suggest you posts, you can explain to it why you don't want that. Although, I, I just Make it so oh, it doesn't show okay, me suggested okay. I, I know though. Yeah. No, okay. I see what you're saying. Those. Okay. So that's awesome. Yes. I mean, thanks for adding yeah, that. Thanks, Adam. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so back to some of the self-care things when I bring up, again, kind of the individuality is something that I find is, you know how when you're asked certain things, specifics, you might just blank on them. Everybody does this to some degree. You know, it's everything. I, I would have known that if you hadn't asked me type of thing. Yeah. 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 Um, like self-care can be one of those. Like, you know, what type of stuff could you do? I feel like a lot of people would just blank because all of us, because again, they're not used to doing it. So they're like, I don't know. So for a lot of people, kind of a, an irony here is for a lot of people, what what would be qualify as self-care for them are the things you want to do. <laughs> it's like I said, it's not this like magical right answer, wrong answer. It's what are the type of things you like to do? What are the type of things you would like to do more often? What are the type of things you would like to do if if you had more free time? What are the type of things you'd like to work towards to in retirement? All those things like those types of questions I've found, or at least I believe, will generally give you the types of answers of what people would like to do. But then, like you were saying earlier, when actually given when actually told, hey, now start doing more of these things. All of a sudden, it becomes that push off type of, of thing um, to make like a big analogy and bring it and bring it down. You know, retirement is something like this. People have these goals for what they would like to do in retirement. A lot of people retirement by the traditional sense means working into your middle of the late sixties and then having, you know, 
four, five, if you're lucky, 10, 15 years to then have for yourself and do these things you want to do. And again, like that's that traditional sense of retirement. I feel like self-care is realizing that that type of stuff can kind of be like throughout your whole life, but then figuring out the stuff like that daily. It's like, I mean, I know you do this, but, you know, ideally working, uh, ideally building the type of life where when it comes to work, you were also have the ability and the freedom to do, to work, to add in things that you would like to do. Like if you like to travel, you are traveling throughout your life and not saving it all for when you're 68 years old. Mm -hmm. Uh, Things like that. Like it's not, you're not putting everything away or putting it, pushing everything aside till later. Your actual self-care to me is working things you want to do in on a regular basis. And that's pretty much sums up most of it for most people. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that's, that's not a bad way of looking at it because it's, you know, uh, the, the only thing I would add to your bullet point is uh, it's things you want to do. And things that you want to do that uh, provide the felt sense of like separating from stress as a good example of something that can happen to people. Cause this happened to me. Um, th- there was a time where I would like do some of my hobbies, like martial arts is a good example. Um, I-, I-, I was at one point in my life, a little too serious about that hobby. And when I, yeah. Right. Uh, and instead of it being fun, I was accidentally turning it into like, oh my God, I, you know, I should be better than this by now. And it was actually its own stressor, even though it was a hobby. So it would not actually be something I would have assigned myself for self-care at that time because it didn't help me separate from stress. Uh, and, and this brings up a good point because there's a there's a design challenge that a lot of people will have starting out. The design challenge is that a lot of people have painted themselves into a really tough corner where they've taken on so much that it's it's almost impossible for them to start designing in proper self-care without start without eliminating things first, which by itself is stressful. And so like, you know, if you uh Maybe uh, you have your 40 hour week job and then you also volunteer somewhere and then you play the organ at church and you're also a parent and you have all these things you do that are their own discrete stressors and you have to eliminate one. Doing that is stressful, which then temporarily increases your stress level. Uh, And a lot of people, if they were going to start deploying this idea that self-care is medically necessary, there's a hump to get over this bit of a scary hump because it's hard to get past that first part where you have to start eliminating enough that you can design back in some level of separation from stress. Yeah. Um, something that made me think about it too is a lot of times people think of these sacrifices as, as they might think of it. I use sacrifice in the term of like, how, what am I going to, removed from my schedule to be able to add this self-care routine in yeah, as, a a, yeah, as a plus minus game, a, a good self-care selection generally will have a multiplying effect through the benefit you get from it. Like I said, like, like you said, like one good spa day for that, for that client will probably, will, you know, probably rejuvenate her, or give her that feeling for several days, if not even longer. You know, like, like, so, and that's how most of these things go. Like, for those, yeah, it, it, it was a good, it was a good four day benefit, I think. Yeah. And like, um, like, 
exercising does that for, for a lot of us too. Like, especially if we're, we're not being very active, inactivity is building that stress in. Again, like simply getting, starting to get in that routine, like again, amplifies that energy and things like that. So we're not talking about only a benefit in the sense of like, you're checking a box off and it's beneficial, but it actually a good self-care move for you will generally have its effects felt across several different areas of your life in several different ways. Yep. And uh, yeah, it should be uh, one of the terms I like using for this is asymmetrical. Uh, So yeah, if if you used uh, that word before, so I was like, yeah, that's the one you needed to bring up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, like for example, uh, th- this is one I'm, I'm I've been struggling to build in recently, but I'm I'm going to figure it out soon. Is I find that if I do a just ten or fifteen minutes of either tai chi, kung fu, or, or some other movement in the morning, even if it's just taking a walk, uh, that does seem to have a pretty good benefit throughout the day. Which is so there's fifteen minutes which gives me solid four to six hours of benefit, massively asymmetrical. Uh, So that's really one of the things to look for. If you uh, go for a massage for an hour, but you only feel good during that hour massage, maybe that's not asymmetrical enough to do very often. Uh, And I'm going to go ahead and throw another difficulty in here. When you're first starting out, figuring this stuff out and sampling what works, yeah. if you're stressed enough, you you might not get the benefit immediately because you might need to actually like do it several times. So I usually encourage people to try things, but try them multiple times. So if like meditating doesn't, med- meditation is a great example of one that will never work the first time. But you practice it for a month, and, and a lot of people get benefit out of it. I, I personally don't a lot, but uh, a lot of people get massive benefits out of meditation, but they got to stick with it for a while. So uh, one of the things I, I deeply encourage people to do is as they sample things for self-care, find stuff, but then circle back to things you've already tried and see if they work better now. Because maybe maybe an hour is just too much. If it, it, Like that person I described that has 19 things going on, they're probably stressing themselves out because they're not being productive for that hour. Maybe the right thing for them is to build in five minute things so they don't accidentally make up the story of how unproductive they're being. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to uh, point out something that, that, that just when I realized it three years ago, it was so striking to me uh, because one of the things that is so crazy beneficial for de-stressing, even though it is horrifyingly bad for you in other ways, the smoke break. I knew you were going to say Yeah, you, you already knew what I was going to say. Yep. What's crazy about that, and please don't uh, think that I'm encouraging anybody to take up smoking if you're watching this. Uh, there's this magical combination of things going on with a smoke break that is so de-stressing. Uh, and it really puts me in my like, like puts me in empathy with people who have trouble quitting. Because if we think about it, we got a few things happening. Number one, it is a 10-minute uh or five to ten minute situation. So you have you would have trouble making up that you are really missing out on a lot. Oftentimes it's done with others. So you have a social aspect that is healing. It separates you from whatever stress because the literal idea of a smoke break is you are going away from the thing that you are doing to smoke. Uh, 
oftentimes you get a little complaining and belly aching with either coworkers or with other people in, which is de-stressing to most people. Uh, there is a certain amount of mindfulness that goes into it simply because you're dealing with fire and you got to be a little careful with what you're doing. Uh, mindfulness is de-stressing. Uh, usually done in a different environment from where you started. Uh, the change of environment is de-stressing. So like, it's crazy how this thing that's bad for you in so many respects, if you just take away the cigarette, uh, actually it, it is the perfect example of self-care because it has just a wonderful mathematical combination of things that people find de-stressing. I definitely never thought about that. But I, but I really like the way that you did break that down. Yeah, like it's that if it just, yeah, like you said, if the activity itself just didn't happen to actually be harmful, <laughs> like, yeah. it would, like it would work out. It's like, yeah, like, like I don't know what the hell you would put in there instead of a cigarette, but like, yeah, but there's that, a lot other than that, that, is perfectly designed. Yeah, there is a lot to that. Like, there are so many things that we can do that I actually hold up. You know what? I'm gonna, I, I, I'm gonna say. I, th th there is a perfect uh, uh, in Europe. They do it. We just don't do it here. Uh, in England, you'll have tea time. You'll have afternoon tea. Uh, in uh, Italy, it is very common to take a short espresso break, like to just have a shot of espresso at the espresso bar and then you're done. Uh, so actually you have to look across the pond to find the, uh, the smoke break without the smoke, but there's a lot of parallel examples. So I, I only just kind of realized that. So that didn't yeah, mean to interrupt no, you. That, that's a great point. That's great of coming out there. Yeah, just a lot of stuff like that. But especially that, I like that because those are in like th those examples um, in other cultures. But then the smoke break in America is they're socially built in. <coughs> the ones that involve smoke break just happen to have an unhealthy aspect to it, which again, by no like by no one's fault, at least back then. Like when people started that, they didn't know that cigarettes were gonna cause harm to them blah 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 so it just we just have like wherever wherever the smoke smoke break came from just happened to choose the unhealthy habit <laughs> to, yep. to pull it in um but they're all which actually man this can become very philosophical very quickly is anybody who's oh there's no danger of that when we're around yeah anybody who's in charge of an organization can actually take this idea and think about a way to possibly improve things for the organization and for their people or for yourself if you can. Like if you're a business owner and you can, in essence, just make sure to actually build in things like breaks, psychological breaks, physical breaks, so that it's not one long straight work day, for example. There's a, there are a lot of companies that do do that. And then there are companies who don't do that at all. And we hear about both of them. So again, that can be something to kind of watch out for. Like, you know, I mean, I don't know what actually happens in Amazon, but they have a terrible rep, a terrible public reputation for working their their employees like nearly to death to the brink. Whereas, while like um, I'm not 100% positive about this, I may be completely wrong, but I think Google is a one is a company who actually has a pretty good reputation for giving their employees breaks they have like nap rooms stuff like that like but so just examples of different ways to build at least the culture you're in charge of and trying to work these things in which in turn can just help decrease stress or stack it up because you're not giving people much of a choice 
Uh, you know, that, that, that's actually a terrific recommendation uh, because, you know, shoot, you, you even have the on-site espresso machine. Like, that would be so cool. Like, all right, coaches, five-minute espresso break and – yeah, yeah. So really, so it's like not just self-care for the individual, but really self-care for an organization at this point. And mm -hmm. man, you can do so much with this. Like uh, a big thing for me has always been, I'm going to care about the things that I care about the most. And I'm probably not going to care about anything else at all. <laughs> and so, uh, I, you know, using the gym as the example, most gyms that most people go to have tons of rules. You know, everything from, uh, you know, some of them make sense. Like, hey, don't don't leave weights out. Hey, don't leave a mess. Things like that. But then there are rules that are there just to be just to be rules. Like no chalk in the gym. Like okay. yeah, no jeans. I, I, I uh, The gym yeah. I go to, uh, I, I got told I couldn't wear my jeans. Yeah, exactly. Like because in those things, it's like you could just make you could just make it like, hey, you can use chalk, but clean up after yourself. Right. Or you can wear jeans, just please maybe don't wear them on like padded benches where they might tear them up, which is the only reason not to wear jeans, if at all. Um, depends on the type of bench you have. But yeah. or th there's just a lot of stuff like that, like rules just for the sake of being rules. And in in most situations, they're just not necessary. So it's like, just don't have them. <laughs> it's like, so... As long as you can get the the type of atmosphere you want, otherwise, otherwise, generally the more things like that you put on, the more stressful it is, or the more I should say, the more anti-stressed it is, the more relaxing it is, and people don't have to deal with it, and yeah. they get to just be like the way they want to be. Well, and, and talking of which, uh, this is a good thing to bring up because I'll, I'll put it out there for the listening audience because it comes up an awful lot in the counseling room. Uh, one of the the things about self care being medically necessary that's important to know is, you know, we said, okay, at a certain point, you can't outwit your stress. Uh, and you do have to have some level of separation from stress in order to recharge. Uh, when it comes to the environment, like you brought up, one of the things that does happen and, and happens more frequently than I would like is uh, after ex exhausting every other option, uh, a lot of people, do get told in the counseling room that it might be necessary for their continued psychological and physical health to leave their job because their their job does not allow enough separation from stress for them to be able to both keep the job and be healthy and and that they're they might have to choose between their health and the job so that's actually one of the things that, that i would point out is important for the listening audience is you can do a lot to uh, get, get some separation from stress, uh, work stress or otherwise. But sometimes every now and again, self-care requires that if you're going to actually be healthy, you, you might have to make massive changes, which really kind of sucks. Um, you know, usually I would recommend people try and get with a counselor to explore less massive changes and see if you can make it work. But uh because, man, some people are in, in tough spots where, you know, if you're living a six-figure lifestyle and you make a six-figure salary and you realize, oh, for me to be healthy, I got to drop to a job that's more like five figures, you know, that's, that's a problem. But it does happen, and it happens a lot. Right. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, you know, there's nothing you can do about choices you've already made as far as that goes. But that's where ideally actually taking these things into consideration, the earlier the better, is huge. So, yes, you, prevention you, is so much better than cure. Yeah, exactly. Just you're just digging yourself like less of a possible hole in the future, and then it's, the, 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 this is this is yet one more of those things that uh, once I'm elected emperor of the universe, it's going to be taught at schools. But uh, <laughs> until then, yeah, no, it, man, yes, uh, taught at schools. I'm not going to go into that because. Like yeah, but we'll, we'll stay away from that. Yeah, um, but um, but yeah, so 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 just have the awareness that sometimes self care does require massive changes, and uh, you know, and definitely explore the little ones first if you if you uh, don't want to have to like throw a grenade on your job or anything. But that that does sometimes happen that it's just completely untenable uh, to you know. I mean, you got hospitals that work people thirty six hour shifts and. Uh, almost almost anything with a night shift is incompatible with self-care past a certain point. Like you can do it a little bit, but I mean, you can't do that day in and day out for 15 years and most people be biologically okay. So yeah. uh, sadly, yeah. there are some times where if you, if you do get to choose between being healthy and keeping the job. Yeah. Um, so I have something in mind to end with before that. Is there, are there any like just quick bullet point tips, things like that you want to, Throughout the people again, summarize short. Yes, because it can never be said enough times, even though we've said it 20 times here and it's in the description. Self-care isn't just a good idea. It is medically necessary. If you are not doing self-care, you are eventually going to break down psychologically and physically. It just won't happen fast enough for you to be as afraid of it as you should be. Um, so what I was going to finish with is something we have actually not touched on once, but it is maybe the most basic way to self-care is sleep. Well, that too, uh, but I touched on that. That's cheating. Um, <laughs> is don't be an asshole as much as you can. <laughs> um, basically because yeah. yeah, like for one is when other people, whenever you just, you know, you're, you're talking or dealing with somebody else and you don't put them in a bad mood that's generally less stressful. Like you're not making them mad. People generally feel good around other people who are just, you know, at least nice, kind, happy, whatever mm -hmm. it may be. Um, positive attitudes are contagious. And just in general, pretty much everybody would rather be in those types of environments. And when you are, and when you are that way, you, when you're acting that way, there is truth to, you will generally tend to feel that way more often yourself. Uh, yeah, actually, th th this is a really good one because I, I did not think to bring this up. But as soon as you said it, it's, it's absolutely right. Uh, my, my One of my very favorite quotes that Gary Vaynerchuk says is karma is practical. Uh, because if you are, even if you're struggling, if you're at least attempting to be a nice person, you're not going to accidentally drive people away and be more lonely. And you're not going to, uh, you know, be, be that person that nobody wants to talk to. And you're not going to create bad moods in other people, which then will like, you know, put you in an even worse mood. So, yeah, that's I would not have thought to mention that in this entire thing. But that is a wonderful self-care tip. Yep. Yeah, it just came to me at the very end. But I was like, yeah, man, that's a lot of it comes down to in the end. Yeah. So, yeah. So, all right, man. Like always great time. Like, man, time flew by. I, I hope you did not have a 2 p.m. appointment. I'm sure you didn't. It's 2.26. Uh, this time I did not. So we're good. <laughs> uh, so, all right, man. So I'll talk to you here soon in another, well, I'll, I'll see you in a week, 
but uh, we'll be back on here soon. And for everybody who catches this, uh, have a great one. Thanks, y'all. So see you, Adam. Thank you, sir. Bye.